I'm Tabitha Rock. And I'm Sam Davenport. Born and bred in Melbourne, we live and breathe property, and we know the Melbourne market like the back of our hand. We've both been buying and selling real estate in Metro Melbourne for over two decades combined, and we've learned a few lessons along the way. Property is a great way to build wealth, but we all know there can be a few traps. We're passionate about helping buyers navigate the ins and outs of the purchasing process, what to look for, and how to ensure they're investing in their future. We've been involved in over 1,300 transactions, have personally bought and sold our own properties, and know how to guide clients through any purchasing scenario. We work with all sorts of clients, from first home buyers with a budget of 500,000 to clients with multiple purchases under their belt, looking to buy their next multi-million dollar family home or investment. Every client is unique. We customise our strategy for each of them. We don't simply put them on the conveyor belt. We listen to and ensure we understand their needs before the search begins. Clients often come to us without a game plan or clear strategy. Setting the plan of attack is one of the most crucial parts of our process. We have an obsession with detail and high level service. We want to ensure every client we work with leads us to our next. We work closely with our clients from start to finish and give them the confidence they need to make educated decisions quickly. Starting our careers off as inner city sales agent is our secret source as buyers advocates. Just like two lawyers in the courtroom, we know how to talk to real estate agents. How to work out the value of property, navigate pre-auction offers, bidding at auction, or in a boardroom setting, and when to walk away. We have a commitment to understanding our clients' needs, helping them maintain crystal clear focus on the end game, staying on brief and budget. It's a daunting thing to consider purchasing a property and we ensure our clients are making the decision based on their future selves, ensuring it's going to perform for them today, tomorrow and into the future. So, just like the vendor has representation, we believe the buyer should too. We're here to level the playing field. So get in touch and let's chat property. Season two, we're back, baby. We are back, back, back in business. <laughs> <laughs> Prop Culture Podcast coming at you hot. Season two. And we've got lots to cover. We've, we've got worked, lots to cover. We've worked out what we're talking, we're, what we're giving you guys, all the hot topics, Melbourne real estate. And to kick us into play, a common question we get asked is like, you know, should I buy the smaller house, but it's a bit better of a location or the bigger house, it's a bit further away. So it's the age old location versus accommodation. Exactly. What should we do? Where should I buy? Mm -hmm. Where should I buy? How much can I spend? And where should I buy? It's very much the second question that comes mm -hmm. into play, isn't it? And more often than not, it has a lot to do with how much you can spend. Mm hmm. Obviously. I mean, a lot of people will come and sit with us, you know, in our first meeting, we'll sit down and they'll be like, oh, we're renting in Paran, you know, we love it here, but we need a four bedroom house and we've got two kids. We've got a third on the way. We've got a golden retriever and we want to get a second one. <laughs> and, um, you know, we've got 1.3 to spend. Okay. Well, that is Not lovely. Paran. Great budget. Love your accommodation needs. We need we need those, you know, written down somewhere. We need to work to that scope. 
but you will not be buying that house in Paran. So now we need to work out, okay, where are the locations in which you can purchase the house that you need? And then we can also work out, do you need four bedrooms considering you could likely have kids share bedrooms, whatever that might look like. Exactly. And are you going right out to Pakenham to get your the house of your dreams, the McMansion with the pool and the trampoline and all that jazz? Or are you staying a little bit closer to the city and maybe getting a slightly smaller house, but in and maybe in a location that you're much more comfortable in? And you know, there's no right or wrong answer, I think, to this. It's personal preference. Some people are like, you know what, I'd prefer to be in this tiny place that we're, you know, really squeezed into, but I want parks close by and that will be enough to get us through. And, you know, this school zone is really important. That's a massive one um, Mm. that we get in terms of location. We need to be in this school zone. But I think one consideration that people need to think about is that it's expensive to transact real estate. So if you're squeezing into this house, which realistically is only going to allow you to stay in that house two to three years, which is actually a common scenario that we came up against when we were selling real estate in Richmond for clients that would buy the little single front because they're newlyweds Mm. and then soon with the golden retriever and the the one-year-old, you're bursting at the seams transacting real estate is expensive. So if you do that two years, you're going to be losing money nine times out of 10 because of the selling costs, the stamp duty, et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. The best way that we find to help people work out where they're going to buy is by sitting down and working out what are they able or what are they willing to compromise on in relation to their scope. So exactly as you said, you know, do you have a specific school zone that you need to be in for next year? in order to put your child in that school? And is that a Mm non-negotiable? If that's a non-negotiable, you're essentially now looking at what is available to me in that specific catchment zone under budget. And you're going to need to buy whatever that house is because that's your non-negotiable. But if your non-negotiable obviously is, you know, we want space to run around. We want to be able to stay there for, you know, five to 10 years And, you know, I'm happy to go to the local primary school or high school, whatever that may be, then obviously you're going to be now willing to compromise on location. So you're working Mm. out where can I afford my four bedroom house? Yeah. And I think the quickest, easiest way to work out what you can get for your budget, as we've probably previously mentioned, is just jumping onto the sold section of realestate.com or Domain. In fact, Domain has great um, a great functionality to be able to select school zones and specific areas um, and jump onto the sold section of those websites and just see, okay, what's sold under that $1.3 million budget in the area? Can we live in that? does that look okay in relation to what we're perhaps currently in Um, or do we want more space? And then, okay, we need to consider the next suburb out. So what's that look like? Yeah, exactly. And so often, you know, when we do sit with clients who are saying to us, we want this four-bedroom house, we're just going to work with the four-bedroom house in Paran for the day. (laughs) Um, When we are working with clients who say that to us, you know, we, you look at the map and you think, okay, so Paran is your ideal suburb, you know, have you can first of all in Paran, generally speaking, the actual physical properties, the landscape of the property in Paran is a lot smaller. You know, we've got a lot of older style um, apartment blocks, we've got a lot of single fronted Victorias, we've got a lot of small townhouses that have been squeezed onto the block. 
Yes, it might give you the fourth bedroom, but it's not giving you any living space or any outdoor area. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you just move across Dandenong Road to my old favourite St Kilda East, you know, you're often getting a lot more bang for your buck, even still now. Like in the last eight years ago, nobody wanted to be in St Kilda East. Mm. And now obviously it's, you know, right up there with some of the better suburbs in Melbourne. But um, for those who are in the know, of course, but it, you are just across the road, the neighbouring suburb, you are going to get probably that outdoor area. You might not get, you know, the fourth bedroom or, you know, it's not going to be a huge jump in accommodation, but you're certainly going to be getting more. Then you look at what's neighbouring St Kilda East, Caulfield North, what's neighbouring Caulfield North. You know, you start to go further down mm. the line and you're still only five to ten minutes down the road mm. and in Carnegie you're going to get, you know, a lot more than you would be getting for um, in Paran. Well, I think that's certainly one thing we help clients with, just thinking a little bit outside the square that's still not in Bacchus Marsh, if you're considering yeah. um, Paran, you know, it's still within the scope. It's still not too far away from perhaps the grandparents or yeah. the work or whatever it may be. And oftentimes they're sort of slightly undervalued suburbs for the time being, gentrifying potentially, and they've got a lot more capital growth, um, which is often also what people are looking for when they're looking to buy real estate. I think in conjunction with that is, you know, location versus accommodation well this one you can get a slightly unrenovated house Mm. um and you're in your ideal area are you open to that yeah because that's a great way to get into an area of interest exactly buying an unrenovated house Mm -hmm. doing what you need to to the property to be able to move in and live there comfortably for as long as you can two-phased attack exactly that's what you did that's what i did (laughs) tell us about it sam no, aren't we? I'm saving that for another episode. We're oh. going to talk about the whole reno. Oh, we are. No, no. The two-phase attack. I mean, it it is, you know, we have, we deal with a lot of clients who there's a lot of dilapidated property out there. You know, property that's been in a family for 40 years, 50 years. Mm-hmm. You know, they've done handyman level works across you know, the 20-year ownership or whatever that looks like and nothing was done well, nothing was done properly, mm-hmm. nothing was done to code and a lot of clients will look at houses like that and just think, where do I start? How do I even attack this? And and they would perceive that property to be unlivable. So a lot of what we did obviously when we were selling in, in Richmond, we were dealing a lot in those types of properties. So properties that have been in families from birth to death oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, more than one generation going through that house and they had ne- nothing had ever been done properly to the property. So you go in and, and though to the, you know, to the usual buyer's eye, it might be considered unlivable we know that we can go into a property like that and spend, you know, ten to $20,000 and get it really comfortable, mm. really comfortable. And by doing that to the property I bought, we were able to get five years out of that property. You know, we, we kept the structure of everything as it was and put in an Ikea L-shaped kitchen. We kept the original freestanding stove you know, that's saving another semi outdoor bathroom. There was an undercover walkway to the toilet, but it was an old school dunny, that's for sure. But yeah, but that gave us an extra five mm. years. And then that obviously in that five year period, we were able to then A plan for, you know, 
a bigger, much bigger renovation, knock down half of the house and rebuild it. But not needing to do that straight away allowed us to get into the suburb that we wanted to be in. Mm -hmm. Well, I think people also just on the topic of renovating and being overwhelmed, I think a lot of people do walk through the homes that have had the real estate zhuzh and have the higher furniture and think that it looks good because it looks good, but actually it's got all the same issues as the house that, you know, overgrown and tenanted, but that's just, you know, not being presented correctly and not had the coat of paint, but it's still got the blocked drains. It still needs the underpinning and the re-stumping and the roof has holes and, you know, but it just has the real estate zhuzh. So it feels better to the average buyer to secure that sort of property, but in actual fact, once they get in, you know, the, yeah. the the reality of it starts to take hold. Exactly. And again, you know, buying that property under, particularly under competition in the market, you know, a lot more buyers are going to be interested mm. in a property like that because they perceive it to be livable versus the ones that haven't had the mm-hmm. $20,000 spent on the co- essentially coat of paint, cleaning up any outdoor area, um, new cheap carpet, the cheapest you can buy. I, I like um, Get a bit bougie with the carpet. For it's clients pre-sale. Not pre-sale, oh, but when you're if you're no. buying the unrenovated. Oh, if yeah. you buy the unrenovated, just do nice carpet. You'll you'll love yourself for it later. No, but the agents do in their pre-sale works, they do totally. the cheapest carpet. So it's not even like it's good quality work. Plus, if you really look at the paintwork more often than not, you're looking at the wall and you think, has that been that has not been done well. Mm. Of course oh. it hasn't been done well. Well, we know there's like a a, two paint quotes. There's a yeah. free sale paint quote and there's a live in for 10 years paint quote. Exactly. And they're very different. <laughs> they are. They are. Oh, we love them though. We love those slapstick jobs pre-sale. That's for sure. When we're I mean, selling. Yeah, when we're someone. selling. But that's why I love the warts and all when we're buying. I'm like, yes, give me that sweet off market or that tenanted property for clients. But clients walk through it a bit sort of like here in the headlights but yeah um, exactly it's, it's all good so yeah I think with the location versus accommodation conversation it's very normal but I think that it's a personal decision just um with yourself just mm. think about it okay do, would I prefer being in the cafe lifestyle or a bit closer to transport or would I actually like the bigger home I think what's important in that decision making is just to keep really clear on your fundamentals Mm -hmm. and not to drop your standards and be like, no, I don't mind the massive house on Dandenong Road Mm. or, um, you know, or the massive house on the bus route or opposite the train line and things like that because the reason why we don't want to drop those fundamentals is because of resale. So they're always going to be less desired in the market. And exactly. that's just facts. Exactly. I mean, I can vividly remember at the start of COVID, those were the ones like that were just online for forever for mm. sale and just had to keep dropping their price to get sold. Exactly. Um, you know, you can do all the renovations to those sort of places. I mean, there was a classic one on Punt Road um, next to a service station, this gorgeous double story Victorian. They've had the most amazing reno done. Yep, you can still access it from the rear lane, but it's still on Punt Road with mm. like six lanes of traffic or eight. What's Punt Road these days? I don't know. Yeah. Um gosh, don't you remember back in the day where you could actually park on Punt Road? I do. I feel like that was yesterday. Yeah. 
I remember selling real estate on Punt Road. Actually, this is another key takeaway. Whenever people say, but don't worry, you can just park on the main road. Like, yes, there's a bit of a clear way, but then you can park outside of that overnight. Don't rely on that. The, the councils can change that at the drop of a hat like they did on Punt Road and suddenly you've got no on-street parking. On punt, on For the houses that we used to sell on Punt Road back in the day, yes, we could park right out the front of our open and you could always get a car park, but every single contract of sale had a Vic Road certificate inside the contract specifying that the road was going to be widened. And so that loomed over these owners and these vendors and these potential purchases mm-hmm. for properties on Punt Road for years. I think those certificates were in there for, for maybe, what, seven to eight years prior to them actually making that fun, that change to the street. Well, it's funny you mention that because I bought a place in Collingwood and it was like, oh, 50 metres from Punt Road and the conveyancer at the time still happened to mention about this widening. And I was like, okay. If they're widening Punt Road to my place that I'm buying, yeah. like, good luck yeah. with this city, you yeah, know, exactly. because our government's going to be in debt substantially if they're acquiring all these properties to widen Punt Road. Can't we dig a tunnel under, go over, go, overpasses? Uh, I don't know. under. Every other major city in the world goes under. Mm. We're just like, it's too hard. We and just it like is to hard, but nickname Punt Road something else. Yeah, but all the overpasses something. they've done. I mean, they are. It is amazing for the traffic flow, but it has absolutely slaughtered so many of those properties in those. Uh, you know where they can see the overpass now. Like their mm. view from their backyard is now a big concrete train line, and obviously, if we had of gone under, it yeah. would have really added value to the area. But yeah, the. But I think that this is actually one thing to flag with accommodation versus location and the location is checking what's going on in the surrounding area. Is anything in the works with council, with government, mm. look at like state planning and what's coming? Yeah. Um, like the tunnel around Watsonia, how is that going to affect your property and your commute? Um, and like is it? short-term pain for long-term gain. I mean, that's what I say about all the um, level crossings. I'm like, yes, it's short-term pain for long-term gain. That's going to improve the area dramatically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think in conjunction with that, what people really need to consider when they're having this discussion is just what their future family structure looks like as best you can. So, okay, are we having more kids or are the grandparents coming to live with us permanently and what does that look like? for our accommodation yeah, um, or for, like, location. Yeah, exactly. And that understanding what the landscape of your current and future family looks like all and, and why that is related to the property type you're going to buy and where is also, you know, in line with you understanding how long you're planning to hold it, which we've already touched on, but it's all combined and this is all part of setting the scope and your plan of attack and mm. understanding. Revert to season one. Season one, episode. Something or other. Two. Maybe. Episode two, I reckon. <laughs> anyway, but yes, understanding, you know, asking yourself all those questions rather than just going out and going, oh my gosh, this little cute single fronted two and a half bedroom in Paran, that's going to suit us this year. Mm. Let's just get that because we love it here. And then you find yourself two years' time needing to sell the property at possibly a very minor increase because Paran is an A-grade premium suburb and a single front of Victorian is 
you know, A-grade property if it's in a quiet residential street north facing. P's and C's apply. P's and C's apply. Um, but, yeah, if instead of buying something sort of hastily and then needing to sell it hastily at potentially a loss or a very mm. small gain and then what was the point? Mm. What was the point in doing that? So, yeah. I mean, this conversation obviously is heavily geared towards owner-occupiers, right? Mm -hmm. So we're really focusing this conversation. But with investors, we always get the question of where where should I buy? Where should I invest? And, um, you know, I think you've got to think about the rental return that you want. If you're getting bigger places out further out of the city, sometimes, you know, you don't get a higher rental return. Actually, the inner city apartment, the smaller yeah. place, you get a higher rental return. So you've got to factor that in, in terms of that, like what and where sort of conversation. Um, but also making sure you are considering those fundamentals. So not necessarily bigger is better in investment as well. Oh so my gosh. the bigger More place. Headaches. Oh, and the bigger More place problems. on the main road, unless you've got some cool strategy that you actually are wanting to buy a commercial, because then, you know, you're buying the residential house that has existing use rights, but it is owned commercial because you want to do this big tower down the track and that's why you're buying on the main road, then that's cool. But um, you know, I often say for an investment perspective, like I can tell you a suburb, but I can like Richmond, perfect example, great area to invest your money in, not West Richmond. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's like there's no blanket answer for that question of where Ever. should I buy? And if there's property advisors out there telling you blanket suburbs, mm. well, dig a little deeper. Exactly. Because in in that conversation with investors, it's also about us looking at your existing portfolio. You know, do you have a nine acre block in Red Hill and you've also got a double fronted renovated house in Hughesdale? You know, maybe your third property is a really nice period style apartment, you know, closer in that's going to get really strong return or a commercial or investment. Or industrial. Or industrial. You know, there's so many different options and it's completely client specific, which is why that first sit down and if you're not sitting down with us, do it by yourself, do it mm -hmm. with your partner, do it with your parents, do it with someone, sit down, ask yourself these questions, write it out and that's going to guide you mm -hmm. into what you're buying and where. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, as we kick off the year, it's like get clear on the plan of attack, get yeah. clear on the roadmap in anything in life, but especially in property when you're spending your life savings yeah, yeah, nine yeah. times out of ten. Um, yeah, it's a lot of money. So just make sure you're thinking about it and, you know, yeah. coming at it with sort of a view of five to seven years. That's Definitely. what we always talk to our clients about. Always. And even interestingly, I've got, I'm actually looking at a property um, on behalf of a client where we're going to be um, potentially bidding on it. Um, and in fact, I sold it to the current owner through vendor advocacy four years ago. Oh. So it was a past client's property that we sold through vendor advocacy. Yeah. The, obviously the current purchasers bought it at auction under very strong competition because <laughs> it's a great house. Mm. Um, and now I'm looking at it for a new client who's looking for a property like that. Um, and I'm looking at it and the, the buyers have done very minimal works mm -hmm. to the property however it has definitely added value because it looks much more modern mm -hmm. so all of the french doors for example that were out the back of the property have been replaced with um black iron oh, yeah. you know modern yeah. it looks it just you know instantly lifts the ceiling height it just looks it looks really good 
But other than that, they've painted one of the rooms green. That's paint. That's okay. not, uh, not structural. But, yeah, nothing else has really changed. But they're going to be making um, a pretty good profit on that. But that's four, four, four years. Four yeah, years, five exactly. Years. So, so it's going to be nearing to five years that they would have held it. Yeah. And so now it's sort of, okay, yeah, it makes sense for them to sell. Still seems very quick. But it makes sense for them to sell. But if they had sold, you know, one, two, three years after, it would have mm. never performed in any sort of capacity. Unless you've done major renovations yeah. or the market shifted substantially upwards. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. So I think the key takeaways is just check the area of interest, sold section, what can you get, does it fit what you want, okay, if the accommodation is right, then go for it. If it's not, look at surrounding areas and then just have some really good conversations with yourself about if you're erring on the side of you want more room so you need to move more further out or you're happy with inner city and you're going to probably be slightly compromised. And also can we just flag, like, even if you've got a million dollars budget, you'll always want two. If you've yes. got if you've got ten million, you want ten. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And so don't always think like if I just had a little bit more money because that you know even when you get more money and you're earning more, you'll always want more. So yeah, um, yeah I, I think that's that's super key. So Absolutely. hopefully that's been helpful because I think the sort of where to buy and what to buy conversation. I mean, friends are always asking me. Yeah. At barbecues, as I'm sure they are you. <laughs> always, always. At school drop-off. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the answer is within. <laughs> the answer is within. We just this gotta... podcast could have been one minute. <laughs> yeah. Where do we well, just got to ask yourself those questions and it will guide you into where, because as we said, there is no blanket response for anyone. You know, each, it's a case-by-case basis and it's so dependent on where your parents live. Where is your job? Where are you going to go to school? How many children are you having? Oh, you've got how many dogs now? You know, it's completely specific to the person. Mm. So yes, that is what we do with people. We guide them into where to buy and what to buy. Um, but you can sit down and do it yourself if you want. If you want. If you want. All right. Are we done here? We're done here. I think we've given the people a bit of food for thought. So we're <laughs> on to our favourite segment. F, marry, kill. Mary Kill, what have you got for me this week? Okay, I've got your dream home, dream home on Dandenong Road. Oh, your perfect property within a commercially zoned area built up right around you. Your perfect property but built up right around your commercially zoned area, like in Cremorne, in some of those pockets in Cremorne, mm. um, or a slightly too small house but in your must-have school zone mm, for those hypothetical is, children. Yeah, yeah, all those hypothetical ones. Um, look, this one is difficult, but I'm definitely marrying slightly small house. <gasps> I am marrying it because, you know what, I'm going to have the country place, I'm going to have the, like, beach house, I can get away, I'm going to buy a house with great parks around me. I'm never home as it is. So, yeah. you know... I'm fine with that. Let's marry. Let's kill Dandenong Road. Dream home, Dandenong Road, you've got to go. Because you know what? Whilst I say the busy times are sort of 7.30 till 9.30 in the morning. It's all day long. It's all day long. Trucks. Yeah. It's nonstop. And I don't want that in my life. And you know what? I love concrete jungles. So I'm going to 
the commercially zoned area because give me that New York lifestyle, give me the hustle, but only nine to five. And they're gone on the weekend. No yeah. one's around and I'm living my best life in my dream home. Yeah, 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 yeah. How about yeah. you, girl? What are you giving me? Killing that commercially zoned area. Ooh. Kill. I don't like anything about that vibe. I actually hate it. Like driving down those streets in Cremorne and I look at those cute little houses and I think I would never, <laughs> I would never. So kill. Kill the perfect property within a commercially zoned area. I'm definitely going to F the slightly small house in my must-have school zone. Like, okay, yeah, if I had to, but also not that obsessed with education. I feel like we can all educate ourselves a little bit. Oh, my gosh. So um, I'll F it, but it's not – I can't live in small spaces. It makes – it gives me like – I've got claustrophobia. So my dream home on Dandenong Road, I will marry Ew. it. And I, I ain't coming over, girl, because I won't be able to park. I'm going to have a super tall fence. I'm going to have an access from the rear. You won't even come through the front door. You'll oh, never you didn't give come me those through T's the front and door. You've got a country house yeah, that we didn't know about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that takes us to the end of another podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Thanks for tuning in. 